0: Hey, church family. Welcome back. It's Chris and Tiffany, and we're excited to open up this topic, which is all about microchurch. Microchurch and the microchurch collective, what that means, what it doesn't mean, and what we believe is where we're headed.
1: This is something that's super exciting for us to talk about. As you might have guessed, it's a very near and dear subject to our hearts. However, I just want to kind of put out there as we begin today the fact that even as we share these things, we are in process of what the Lord is showing us, what he's downloading to us, how he's leading us as a microchurch collective. And so what we share with you is in process, even though it's rooted in, and it has its foundation in scripture, as well as many years of ministry for both of us, and the things that we feel are absolute convictions of our hearts, there are also aspects of what we're going to share today that could be very fluid, that perhaps six months from now or a year from now, we're going to look back and go, wow, things are a little different now than they were when we started out.
0: Yeah, the process, philosophically speaking, is very uh, ideal right now. We're on the front side of this learning curve, so updates will be coming.
1: <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, and bear with us as we cast vision for where we believe the Lord is taking us and yet have the flexibility to shift even midstream and say, "Wow, we thought that looked like this, but actually it's going to look like this."
0: But for now, we'll start with the basics. What is microchurch? And the first thing we want to address is what the heck why are we saying microchurch? Honestly, it's just a fancy, trendy name right now. It is exactly this. It's a home church. It's a house church. It's been around for 2,000 years since the beginning of the church.
1: In fact, if you read the first four chapters of the book of Acts, you see that one of the distinctives about the new church the emerging church so to speak was that they met both in the temple and in houses they met from house to house they broke bread together they discussed the apostles teaching they fellowshiped and then they went out of the houses into the city and walked in signs and wonders and power. And so we see that example in the book of Acts as something that we don't want to necessarily say, oh gosh, we've got to duplicate that. Because God is always doing a new thing, but we see that they set an example for us of a beautiful model that worked so well, something that has actually been working well, as Chris said, for thousands of years.
0: Now, in our vision statement, we make a a pretty interesting statement based on statistics that goes something like this. Mega churches in the U.S. are growing while Christianity is shrinking. While that's true, here's what we don't want you to think. We don't want you to come away with an idea that we believe that microchurch is the only answer. We believe that microchurch is part of the solution. We also believe that there are things that a regular-sized church can do that we cannot do, just as there are things that we as a microchurch can do which a regular-sized church cannot do. However, this is part of our calling. This is part of our territory. And so this is the area of focus that we're discussing and talking about today.
1: And when we say regular-sized church, what we're actually defining is traditional church. And most of you are very aware that traditional church has certain distinctives about it versus this idea of a church collective, which has certain distinctives about it. Both of these things are of the Lord in ways that are unique to the individual calling. However, we do believe that there is a significance in this hour that is both prophetic to what God is about to do and is imperative for what he's doing in the now in regards to microchurch. We believe that God has a focus or a spotlight on this idea of microchurch, for this moment in the church?
0: A microchurch is going to have a minimum of, let's say, five, six, seven people, something like that. And the maximum is the biggest issue. The maximum is going to be somewhere in the 20s or 30s. Now, why would there be a cap like that? We believe that it's because the microchurch has pastors, shepherds in it, but that's going to be a limited number. And so there needs to be enough pastors and shepherds in a home church to shepherd the lives of those people. And when you start to get into the upper 30s or certainly the 40s, you're going to have too many people to shepherd. Most home churches are going to have, let's say, two specific pastors that are acting in that calling for that house church. Let's look at Jesus' example. Here he is, the Son of God, showing us, demonstrating for us, walking out that he's discipling 12 guys, that he's limiting himself to 12 guys. When we take that model and recognize that we certainly can't effectively disciple more than 12 ourselves, that's going to automatically cap the number of people that are going to be in each home church.
1: And obviously, going back to the example of Jesus, he had hundreds of disciples, quote unquote, following him everywhere he went. Many what we would consider to be hangers on, for lack of a better term, who were hungry for what he was teaching. They wanted to be part of what he was doing. But within those hundreds who followed him, he limited the number of people that he could actively, intentionally pour into and disciple. And that number was 12.
0: Yeah. So a smaller number of people truly is better when it comes to discipleship when it comes to equipping and activating believers a small church can turn on a dime and can get out into the community quickly can organize outreach quickly can effectively minister to people more quickly it can like i say can turn on a dime so there are many advantages to a smaller group of people not just in terms of discipleship but also in terms of action
1: yeah and in fact in reaching the community a small church has an advantage because it is meeting in the community that it's surrounded by. And so the family who hosts that home church, the people who are participating in that church, they all have the ability to infiltrate the very neighborhood that that church is part of in a way that a large church can't reach.
0: So, and just like every other church, a micro church is going to be meeting weekly. You're going to see in some homes, there's going to include a meal every time. In some homes, there's going to be a lot of kids. In some homes, there'll be very little kids. There's going to be a lot of variety. Every single house church is different. It's got a different identity, a different feel, a different vibe. And that's really good. That's a healthy thing. But in each case, the microchurch is led by a pastor or a pastoral team. So that would include... Those who have the shepherding gift alongside are going to be teachers. Those who recognize and others recognize that they have specifically a call to teach the word of God.
1: I think a fun way to look at microchurches is to imagine that you're walking into a Baskin Robbins and you walk up to the counter and you've got this beautiful display of all these giant tubs of ice cream. And you know that no matter which one of those tubs you're going to get a taste of, it's going to taste like ice cream. But you also know that each one of those tubs has this very unique flavor. All of the different additions to that particular ice cream are going to make it taste unique.
0: That's so good. And that's exactly what is so beautiful about microchurches is that each has its own flavor and identity. And that brings us into microchurch collective. When we use that terminology, most of the time in our setting, we think about our once a month meeting. But beyond that, we're talking about the aspect of all the churches in their uniqueness coming together under one umbrella and so having a corporate identity also.
1: I think it's important to note also that that umbrella of the Microchurch Collective provides many things for the churches. It provides a sense of connectedness and belonging in a way that gives each church a greater vision than what they would have if they were only looking at their own individual church. It also provides a covering in the sense that it gives apostolic vision and leadership to all the churches that are under that umbrella. It provides prophetic direction and guidance to all the churches that are involved. So there are many different things that the umbrella provides for all of the microchurches that actually causes them to be stronger together than they would be individually.
0: That reminds me of why we do the once a month collective. And that is because it's such a beautiful thing to get all of these different tastes and flavors to come together once a month. Number one, Because of the variety. It's beautiful, it's exciting, it's it's mind-expanding, and it's fun. But in addition to that, it's an opportunity to grow and be stretched and recognize that there's something bigger going on, that we're part of a bigger picture, and that we can learn from each other. Many times when we get together, we'll have a, a micro church that is primarily young adults coming in and joining a micro church that is primarily young families or middle aged. And that's such a beautiful convergence. It's an opportunity for those who are mature and have that spiritual wisdom that they walk in to be fired up by the passion that they see in the young adults. And it's the opportunity in like manner for the young adults, full of that passion and that vigor to recognize the importance of wisdom and that spiritual maturity to come alongside them. And so it's a beautiful thing for us to come together to celebrate.
1: In addition to the the differences in age within the house churches, as we have seen, there's also a difference often in the focus that the Lord is giving to the the unique house churches. So one house church might have a focus on reaching the city through evangelism. Another house church might have a focus on bringing freedom to victims of sexual trafficking or those who have been oppressed in the city. Another house church might have a focus on discipling new believers and really empowering them to go out and share evangelistically. So as the Lord is giving these different personalities, so to speak, to each one of the micro churches, when we come together as a collective, All of these flavors are being mixed together and empowering and encouraging and challenging the church as a whole because everyone is getting to taste from these different flavors Mm. and say, wow, look at what God is doing there. We want to see more of that. Look at how he's moving over here. Gosh, that's so encouraging.
0: The other exciting advantage of the collective model of One umbrella, so to speak, is the training aspect, because you might have a home church that is just started up or that is in an area where it lacks a certain demographic or something. And so you might have pieces of the puzzle missing as you're growing as a home church. For example, You may not have anybody operating in the evangelistic role at that home church. And as you're working to identify and raise up those people from within your home church, the collective offers leadership teams who are developed in those areas in the fivefold. And we can bring those who are evangelistic to a specific home church and bring training and bring the ability to recognize those giftings in people and raise them up to help people get outside and to practice outreach. All the different functions can be spread out as we learn to grow and lean on each other and pull from each other's strengths.
1: That's actually something we've already seen and celebrate about the the Microchurch Collective. For example, we have seen some of our prophets go to different house churches and train and equip those house churches in what it looks like to walk in the prophetic gift and we've watched these different house churches come alive in that area or be activated in that area Get deeper training in that area because those who have these strong prophetic gifts have been able to go from house to house and pour into those individual houses what they carry. And it's been a blessing across the board to the whole church at large. Yeah, it's
0: really beautiful. We, we love it. It's very exciting. Let's talk for a second about the structure of the church. The microchurch is going to be led by, as I said before, a pastor or a pastoral team. So possibly one to three pastors in that house acting as shepherds, discipling souls, stewarding people in that house. In addition, there are going to be teachers and evangelists raised up within that house. Also, there need to be deacons. Now, there's going to be local deacons and corporate deacons, because as we mentioned in a previous podcast— We've got deacons that have oversight over the entire collective, but we also need deacons on site, so to speak, in each house church that are organizing communication and everything administratively that needs to happen and seeing better ways of doing things.
1: One last thing that we want to emphasize about the beauty of the structure of house churches is the fact that it gives the body the opportunity to act like the body in a way that often doesn't happen in more traditional churches. And what I mean by that is this. When we look at what Paul says in Corinthians about the parts of the body and how every part is necessary, how we couldn't be the body without the eye or without Mm. the hand or without the foot, and that all parts together make up the entire whole— when we see his teaching on that and then we transfer that into a microchurch setting We see that that small church atmosphere gives the entire body within that church the opportunity to act in their giftings to be a blessing to that whole church. That's something that often doesn't happen in a traditional church setting. So let's say that somebody walks in and they have the gift of mercy or they have the gift of teaching or they have the gift of helps. Well, in a traditional church setting, that gift that that person brings might get overlooked for a while. It might never be seen, or it might not be developed the way that it could be because there are so many others who maybe take precedence in that gift or maybe are seen in a way that that person isn't.
0: Or they're more advanced in that gift.
1: Exactly. But in a church where you've got a very small amount of people, everyone's gifts rise to the surface. And the point of that is to allow those gifts to be put very quickly into operation to be a benefit to the body.
0: Amen. That's so beautiful. And it's actually our purpose. When we gather together in smaller groups... 10 15 25 people or so what we're doing is as leaders we're constantly asking the holy spirit to give us eyes to see those that he's raising up those that he's highlighting in any one moment and to champion those individuals. In a microchurch setting, a small number of people, we can more readily see that. We raise people up. We see the giftings on their lives. We call them out. We call out the golden people. We give them opportunities to practice. We give them opportunities to fail. We give them opportunities to grow. It's a safe environment. And here's the objective. The objective, as far as microchurch structure is concerned, the objective is not to build a comfortable group of people that we can be around forever. The objective is to raise people up to go out and replicate the same thing. This is called church growth. And this is how it happens. It doesn't happen through our comfort of gathering people around ourselves to feel more comfortable. It happens by recognizing gifts, raising them up, making deposits, and then sending people out to launch and to do the same thing themselves, to disciple, to be engaged in the city, to be engaged in outreach, and to grow through calling people to Christ.
1: And I think I want to conclude this particular podcast with a bit of a prophetic challenge. And we we touched on this at the beginning of this podcast, but I want to sum this up with an idea of where we believe the Lord is taking us in this season. And we have heard so many prophetic words in the last probably three to four years, but specifically even in the in the six months prior to the time of our recording this podcast about the Lord taking His church into a season of unprecedented harvest That we are about to walk into something that we've Mm -hmm. never yet tasted. We've never seen the likes of what God is about to release on the face of the earth in regards to his spirit being poured out, his glory being made manifest on the earth and hundreds, thousands, millions even of souls coming into the kingdom. And one of the reasons we're so passionate about this microchurch collective model in this very hour is because we believe it's essential to being nets, so to speak, for the harvest, mm-hmm. that we've got to be prepared to see hundreds, thousands, millions of people coming into the kingdom and if we don't have places prepared to disciple, to raise up, to equip, to activate these new babies in the kingdom, then we will miss what the Lord is doing and we will miss what He's asking us as His church, as His bride to do in this hour of history. And so there's a passion that I'm sure you're able to hear in our voices as we talk about this, because we believe the timeliness of this model is so crucial to how the Holy Spirit is speaking and what he's about to do on the face of the earth.
0: It's about getting outside of ourselves. It's about getting outside of what we're comfortable with. And you're right about the timing, honey, because when we talk about what led to the birth of this particular collection of microchurches, what led to this birth was COVID and quarantine and church being shut down and many people coming together saying, that's not right. We should not be shut down right now. We should not be lacking fellowship. And that opened the door for this. And now we're looking at the time that's in front of us saying, it's harvest time. This is the hour. People around us are walking and living in fear. They need Jesus. They're more open to the gospel. They're more open to the love of Jesus than I've seen in my lifetime, personally. This is our opportunity to get out, to not be saying things like, I can't wait for it to get back to normal. It's not going to get back to normal. God has allowed this interference to change his church. To cause his church to be outward focused instead of inward focused. To cause his church to be fixated on expanding the kingdom instead of expanding our church.
1: In fact, that's one of the things that we tell our leaders over and over again is that Jesus himself said he will build his church. Our job as his bride is to expand his kingdom, is to take the kingdom wherever we go, it's to release the kingdom in the marketplace, in government, in the arts and media, it's just to release the kingdom. We are called to be kingdom releasers. And then Jesus does the work of actually building the church as we release the good news of his kingdom.
0: So even as you're listening to this, perhaps your heart is being stirred right now. Your spirit is rising up and saying, yes, I believe that I'm called into that. And this is one of the things that we want to see happen in your life, in our churches, that Each of us will respond to that call in our lives to get beyond ourselves and to start to walk in our giftings for the purpose of expanding the kingdom and that we'll see church as an opportunity to disciple each other, to activate each other, to equip each other instead of a country club, instead of a comfort zone. Yes, it's a safe place. It's a place where we can all gather together and rejoice and celebrate. But as soon as it starts to become comfortable, something's wrong. We need to be continually in a position of taking risks. The microchurch structure helps us to do that. And the collective as a family is how we together work toward the same vision.
1: So we're so grateful that you joined us for this explanation of microchurches and the Microchurch Collective. We hope it's been a blessing to you. We hope that the Lord has deposited seeds in your heart of what it looks like to partner with this particular model and vision. And we look forward to going into the next topic the next time we meet.
0: We love you. God bless.